Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. I want to mention a message today that sort of builds on this idea of Mother's Day and this opportunity that we have in our culture to give honour where honour is due. Honour is an interesting thing. It's something where we choose to put attention on something or somebody and esteem it above ourselves. And it does something in us as we choose to honour. Instead of looking for praise ourselves, something shifts as we choose to give praise to others. And I'm mindful today as I prepare to unpack a thought with you about the idea of champion this, that my mum right now is joining us online uh, and has been online with us for pretty much the whole season that COVID has been in. My parents chose to join Awaken City as members, even though they live in my hometown in rural New South Wales, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And they do that because not just because sometimes I grab the microphone and make things up as I go, but because they love Awaken City. And I honour that. And I, I've been thinking this week, as we've been leading up to Mother's Day, about my mum. I haven't seen her for three or a bit more years now because of the COVID lockdown and all the fantastic ways that you aren't able to leave the state up until recently. But in particular, I've been thinking as my kids are getting older and I've been reminiscing about how my parents raised me and my brother. And it's interesting how you just try to piece together, how did they do it again? As you're out there on the edge, making it up as you go. And I've been thinking about my mum and I've been thinking about the times that she would come and watch me play basketball and how she would be this weird mix of excitement and panic on the sideline (laughs) as she would be screaming out, go, go, go in a high-pitched voice, but punching the air with her fist (laughs) continually. And I'm pretty sure she would cheer me no matter what, even when I made mistakes, she was there because I'm pretty sure Mum didn't understand the rules except they would run back and forth and sometimes cool things would happen. I said, my mum's amazing because when I was in grade six, I was as tall as her and by grade eight, she could fit under my arm. But she's not a little person. Little in stature, but not a little person. See, I know she's not little because in the seasons of life that Rhiannon and I have had since we got married in both the breakthroughs and the breakdowns, she's been our constant support. So when we lived in Cambodia as missionaries, her and my father were our key supporters, not just in giving, but in prayer. I'm pretty sure my mum has put more hours into prayer in me than I've watched Netflix in my entire life. I'm pretty sure that she's done that because at every point that I've needed a breakthrough, I've called out to mum first. Not to commiserate, not to complain, but to ask, would you stand with us for a way through? I asked her to stand with us when we're missionaries in Cambodia and the global financial crisis hit and our giving support dried up to the point where we could not afford to buy a birthday cake for my one-year-old son. And her prayers persisted with us to see significant breakthrough there where instead of coming home with our tails between our legs, we were able to be sent out at the right time. I remember calling out to her when we suffered our first and then our second miscarriage in Cambodia and we felt all alone and the prayer support that came there. And I'm mindful 
that each of us need a person like that in our life, whether it's our mother, our father, whether it's our friends, whether those that are doing life with us, that we need people who will come alongside us and not just with their words, but even with their actions, seek to bring the best out in us. That I've been inspired by my mum to do that for others, to be that for others to be somebody who would call out the potential that God has placed in others and not choose to allow the problems and the circumstances to rule the potential that God wants to call out. See, in our culture, we celebrate champions and we should. Champions are amazing. Even today, right now, I just need to mention that out out in our youth hall right now, we have one of our youth leaders, Sua, who goes by Big Source on Instagram. And I don't know if you know this, but Big Source is right now training so that he can be sent off to compete in the Commonwealth Games in a couple of months. That we have a church member right now who's leading our youth, investing into their lives, who is training week in, week out to represent his nation and his people at the Commonwealth Games. And this could be a stepping stone to other things. And then if you follow him on Instagram, you'll see him lift very, very, very heavy things. He told me the other week that he's doing not just his personal best in training, in training he's breaking Australian records. He is the very definition of a champion. Because the way we understand a champion is somebody who represents us and their people before others to overcome their rivals and to stand against. And that's a powerful thought. And we should celebrate champions because they inspire us. They show us what is possible. They show us often through dedication and commitment what can and could be done. And it should be a living example to us that we can live as champions as well. That if we're willing to put in the time, dedication and commitment, we can be amazing at anything. Although I can't lift a small car above my head. But see, there's two key thoughts of what a champion is. There's a thought that a champion is a person who has surpassed all rivals in a contest or competition. But the second definition is something I wanted to press into today, in particular on Mother's Day. The second definition in my dictionary says, a champion is a person who vigorously supports and defends another or a cause. I need to say that again. Because too easily we focus on this idea of the champion as the winner takes all. But what if the greatest champions are these people? A person who vigorously supports and defends another or a cause. So what if the greatest champions in life aren't those who maximise their potential only, but give themselves to building up and getting behind the potential in others? What if the greatest of champions are those who grab hold of this idea that in their words and their actions, they actually have the ability to come alongside others so that others can be built up and empowered to be everything that God has created them to be. And what if right now in this time that we live in, that we desperately need champions to rise up? We need people who are willing to buck the trend and not make the focus about themselves or what they're trying to overcome only, 
but be willing to lean out and stretch of themselves to say, I will invest in somebody else. I will take on somebody else because I believe so powerfully in the call of God that I'm called to bring out the best that's in my children. There's the best in my significant other, the best that is in those around me, even my workplace and my environment, that wherever you are, you bring the very presence of God Himself. And what if the heartbeat of God is to see others activated and released in their God-given potential. What if you are called to champion? What if you are called to carry this heart and this thought that in you, God has placed the ability to empower and unlock the grace in others? I believe with all my heart that this represents the ministry of Jesus. That Jesus, this man, God in flesh, would recruit those that had been rejected and cast aside and say to them very simply, come follow me. People who in their culture had been considered not good enough, who'd been considered past their best, people who'd been neglected and forgotten and that this Jesus finds them where they are at and gives them a very simple invitation, come follow me. For us today, we might lose the power of that word. See, in the culture that Jesus was in, when He said to them, come follow me, what He was in fact saying to them is come and be just like me. He was championing them. He was calling them out. Peter the fisherman, who had not been good enough to be chosen to follow a rabbi, who had given his life to casting nets and living by the ocean and the waves and the wind and the sea, that when Jesus finds him on the shore and invites him to come follow me, what Jesus was in fact saying to that man at that time was that no matter where you are and how you think of yourself right now, I see what's inside you. And everything that I am, I'm willing to give you so that you can be everything that God has called you to be. He did that with every single person that He invited to follow Him. Jesus is the ultimate champion, not just because He conquered death and the grave, although He did. He is the greatest of champions because He vigorously supported and lifted up and defended others. And what if you and I are called to bring this heart into the world we live in now to champion others? like Jesus champions you. In the Sermon of the Mount in Luke chapter 6, Jesus unpacks a way of living that bucked against the trend. That was, if I'm honest, offensive to the day and challenging for people to live out. Where Jesus was unpacking this thought that if you want heaven on earth, then you need to live like it that you live like the culture of heaven on earth and you change the world around you. And he unpacked the thoughts of lust. He unpacked the thoughts of being able to overcome wrong. He unpacked thoughts of standing up to, but not allowing people to dominate you, but being able to resist without descending to their level. And he also unpacked this thought, I believe, of what it means at its core to champion others. It says in Luke chapter 6, verse 31 to 33, Jesus speaking. 
on the Sermon on the Mount, as He's gathered multitudes, as He's speaking over them, He's bringing a new way of thinking and living. And He says this in Luke chapter 6, 31. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Jesus brought a different way of life, a way of life where we champion others regardless of what they've done in return. So we live in a culture where we actually believe I will do unto you as you do unto me. That if you respect me, I'll respect you. If you're good to me, I'll be good to you. And see, that's the way of a broken and fallen world because that way of life is out of whack because nobody puts the others in front of them. And we value life based on how others make us feel and what they give us. Instead of seeing the truth that you can receive from God directly everything that you need. You can receive the acceptance that you crave. You can receive the empowerment that you need. You can receive the way of life so that you can show up in any situation and say, no matter what they are doing, I will not descend to their level. That I will be to them what I wish they were to me, no matter what they do in return. I remember when I got involved in youth ministry, a few months after I walked into that church for the first time, And I didn't have any model to work on except for this one thing that I felt God say to me, that I would be to young people what I'd wished somebody had been to me. See, all the older youth or young adults I'd known growing up were the ones that on the bus would grab your bag and throw it out the window, which happened multiple times. Would be the ones that when you were sitting in the seat on the bus, they would choose to kick you off because they were bigger and stronger than you. And I remember praying and asking God, how how do I do this thing called youth pastoring? How do I be a leader? And I remember God showing me a picture of all the young adults I'd come across to that point who had just bullied and terrified and condemned and destroyed. And He said, don't be that. Be the opposite of that and you'll be fine. See, we're not called to descend to the level around us. We're called to change the environment we're in. And that when you come in with the heartbeat of Jesus Himself, you are called to be a champion. A champion of the potential of those that you work with, a champion of the family that you have been placed in, a champion of the environment that God wants to position you to thrive in. You're called to thrive in life. Jesus calls us to be a champion. And I wanted to just unpack some thoughts today of what we're called to champion. If I could submit to you what we champion, champion this. First thought, champion the household of faith. Champion the household of faith. Galatians 6 verse 9 to 10 says, let us not get tired of doing good. You know, there's an interesting thought just there that, The writer of Galatians, a man named Paul, a man who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus as he was travelling to round up and kill Christians, had his own divine encounter with Jesus. 
that transformed his entire life, acknowledges the fact here that from time to time, people will feel tired. We will feel weary, sometimes by the things that we do. But it's almost like he challenges that thought. It's a mindset. It's a choice of action. Do not, do not, do not, do not let that hold you back. Let us not get tired of doing good. Be tired of other things. Be tired of accepting life at the level that we've accepted. Be tired of accepting mundane. Be tired of accepting limitations. Come on, you can be tired of that. Be tired of that. Be tired of the idea of trying to recharge, but using things that do not really recharge. They just chew up time. Be tired of those things. It's okay to be tired of things that don't work, but do not be tired of doing good because that makes the world of difference. Let us not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. You know, it's an interesting thought going through the Bible and reading all the ifs. And if means that there's a potential that we don't get what we hope for. And interesting here that if we allow ourselves to give up along the way, the if means there's a missing out of what has been made available. Do not get tired of doing good because you will reap if you don't stop. If you don't look to the left or the right. If you cheer on and celebrate no matter what. Let us not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. You know, we are called to celebrate and champion one another. That the household of God, the church, is an incubator of God's potential in every single one of us. That God has called you and placed you with a call and a destiny to see His kingdom come, His will be done through every aspect of your life. You are called to be the head and not the tail. You are called to rule and reign in life with Christ Jesus. The promises of Scripture are yours. They are yes and amen. Amen literally means let it be. That the truth is as we choose to follow Jesus daily, that the journey of transformation leads you in a way where you actually start to become who God has created you to be. And you strip off everything that would hinder you and hold you back of that journey because what God has placed in you is unreplaceable. That the grace that God has you on you is destined to bring a breakthrough even in the lives of others. That you are called to champion the household of faith. They were called to look around us in an environment like this where Sunday after Sunday, where the connect group after connect group, where the team meeting after team meeting, we come together and we're looking for opportunities to vigorously support and defend one another. Champion this, the household of faith. So we live in a culture where cancelization and criticism is the norm. And when that is flowing, support cannot meet it. It severs and cuts off God's grace to see us unlock what He has placed inside us. The book of Acts 
chapter 2, verse 42, as it records the very first church as it begins to form in Jerusalem. It talks about what they did. It says they devoted themselves, devoted, devoted. It wasn't a one-off thing. It wasn't something they did just when they felt like it. They gave themselves completely to it. They devoted themselves. We need lives of devotions now. Devotion isn't just the thing that you do in the morning where you read the Bible and pray for 15 minutes, although that is good. A life of devotion is a life where you live by a commitment above any other feeling or any other distraction that I'm committed to the cause of Christ Himself to see God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A devoted life breaks through. Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everything they did was together. They would receive teaching together and that allowed them to bounce off each other and process as people. We are built to do life as a community. But community only works when we pursue it together. Community is impossible if there is one person doing all the pursuing without any reciprocal response. That if I spent my entire life pursuing, pursuing, pursuing my child so that they would love me, all I would end up doing would be to submit myself to them and surrender what God has placed in me instead of inviting them to do journey in life with me. See, we're called to do community. We're called to be devoted to one another. We're called to be devoted to life together. See, we're called to celebrate the wins and stand together in the brokenness. We're called to pray and see breakthrough happen. I don't know how many times I've had the honour of praying with people here at this front portion, which we call the altar, who are desperately needing breakthrough in their life and to stand with them at a moment where everything seems like it is lost and there is no hope and to inject what I believe is the heart of God into the situation that there is always a way. And to see people, because they were willing to persist, willing to step out, willing to ask, willing to invite, willing to say, will you journey with me in this and not become isolated and alone and cut off, that they have seen breakthrough take place because we are called to do life together. And as in the journey, God changes us. But we have to pursue it. You know, the... Book of Acts covers the life of a man named Saul who later became Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament. And this man was journeying to persecute and kill Christians until he had that encounter with Jesus on the road. But his story almost stops there, where for almost a decade of his life, this man who had spent his life trying to destroy the church, almost went into hiding where he lived out in his hometown on the bench, a decade of his life until somebody tracked him down. A man named Barnabas, which literally means the encourager. This man named Barnabas pursued Paul, pursued him enough that he brought him out of whatever state he was in and stood with Paul as Paul was sent out to pioneer and plant churches where the story and news of Jesus had never spread before. And all Paul did was a result of a person tracking him down and championing him 
in front of others, vigorously supporting and defending and standing with. See, the literal meaning I understand of encouragement is to pour courage into the heart of another. We desperately need encouragers to rise up in this season, to come alongside each other without a heart of criticism and cancelization with a heart opposite to the world that we live in that says, I will pour the courage that you need into your heart at the moment that you desperately need it. Because God will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. We are called to champion the household of faith. We are also called to champion vital relationships. The book of Colossians chapter 3, 18 Chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul unpacks what I think is a blueprint of life together with vital relationships. I want to unpack this from a paraphrase version of the Bible, a paraphrase, a, a version of the Bible written by a wonderful old pastor named Eugene Peterson that's gone to be with the Lord. A man who would bring his, the, the teaching into the context of his church, but would always bring it in a way that they could understand at whatever level they were at. And he paraphrased this portion of Scripture like this. In champion vital relationships, wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honour the Master, God. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. Children, do what your parents tell you. This delights the Master to no end. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. Servants, or in the culture of the day, he's talking to the employed class, Do what you're told by your earthly masters and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart of your real master for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The solemn servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being Christian doesn't cover up. Bad work. And masters or employers, treat your servants considerably. Be fair with them. Don't forget for a minute that you too serve a master, God in heaven. See, we're called not just to champion with words, but with actions. That each and every one of us in every position that we fulfil, every hat that we wear, in every relationship, we're called to choose to be a champion of others. We're called to choose to bring out the best in them in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. That as a husband, husbands are called to pursue their wives and lay down their lives for them and lift them up beautiful before the Lord. Wives are called to respect and esteem Esteem, esteem is this idea of I'm your greatest cheerleader. I'm the one who is cheering you on. We're called to esteem. There's a a huge need for esteem in our culture. The people wouldn't look to other things to esteem them, but to their vital relationships and the good that they're bringing into it. Their parents choose not to crush the spirits of their children, but also not enable everything in a fear that they have to make them happy with them, but instead guide them in a way to bring the best out in them. That in vital relationships for those of us who we've chosen to journey with, that we would seek to bring the best out. You know, I'm mindful that 
The ministry of Jesus was broken up in a way where He was able to engage with people through all spectrums of life. See, He would teach the multitudes the Kingdom of God so that they could change their way of life by understanding the truth of God. It says in the Scriptures that He gathered to Himself 70. The Bible says He breathed on so that they were empowered to do the very things that He did. And they went ahead of Him two by two into the villages to prepare the way for His coming. That there's an empowerment that comes on those who choose to serve God. But then He chose 12 to journey with, 12 to have conversations, to unpack, to eat with, to slow down. But out of those 12, there were three, Peter, James and John, that Jesus invited into His inner world where He was vulnerable, authentic, open, open to disappointment. Of those three people that Jesus invited into His inner core, only one of them stuck with Him in His darkest night. Only John stayed with Jesus throughout His crucifixion. The other two cut and run. So that's a journey we're in, where we're called to open ourselves. We can't be intimate with everybody. So it's okay to be in a church and only have a handful that you're truly vulnerable with because you're not called to be vulnerable to the multitude. There's no reciprocal connection. And that's why it's desperately needed that for many of us that we get involved in connect groups or things like that so that we actually choose to do life with people. That we buck against the trend of busyness and distraction and we say we will journey over the long haul so that we can build one another up. That's why it's desperate that many of us find out how God's wired us and we serve Him because it's in serving Him that we come to ourselves and understand who He's called us to be. And it's important that we put ourselves in a position where we receive the teachings of Jesus Himself. So we come in a heart of surrender to say, not my will be done, but yours. I don't need to change you, God, you change me. We're called to champion vital relationships and one another. And finally, we're called to champion the impossible. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 21, Apostle Paul says this, I pray that He, God, may grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. We are called to champion the impossible to choose to come to God in a way where we allow Him to exchange our lowered perspective for how He views situations and circumstances. The God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. The only limitation there is in the way that we think. There is no limitation with the Creator of heaven and earth. 
There's no limitation with the One who sent His only begotten Son so that you and I could be reconciled to a loving relationship with a God who pursues us and champions us. That there is no limitation found in Him except for what we allow in ourselves. And that He would call us to live a life that is beyond limitation, that champions the impossible, that stands in a way that says, God, You are breaking through in every circumstance. You know, in this season, I love it. Right now, we're in the NBA playoffs and it's almost like an addiction watching teams duke it out so that they could get to the NBA finals. And one of the things I love to watch even above the games is when the cameraman somehow sneaks into the locker room as players are getting ready for the game. And you'll see players in their gear sitting down Almost to a point, all of them with headphones in, heads bowed down. Some of them with towels over their heads. Some of them with hoods over them. And you'd think that this is a really solemn and dour situation to walk into. Wouldn't you think that people would be in there jeeing them up and high-fiving them and getting them ready? And that's something that they do before the game. But right then and there, almost every player is pausing before the game and they're visualising in themselves what's going to happen. How am I going to respond to this problem? What am I going to do when this happens? How am I going to bring my best right now? And they limit all the distractions around them. They put themselves in a position where they allow their perspective to shift from whatever has come before them that day whether they feel good, whether they feel bad, whether they feel down, whether they feel up. They come there right now in that moment. They start to imagine a future where they win. They imagine a future where they give their best and they hold nothing back. They imagine a future where what they bring to the game, no matter their position, makes a difference that leads to a win. The greatest players do this. Why? Because it shifts their perspective. And I'm convinced as followers of Jesus, we need to champion the impossible to shift our perspective. Then we're not called to live our lives looking down, trying to dodge the obstacles in our way. But God says that His Word will be a lamp unto our feet. He says that His ways are different to our ways and that He wants to call you up and out. I know it might seem impossible at time. I know that it might seem like there is no way. I know each and every one of us can allow ourselves to go into something believing that we might or could lose. But I wanna submit to you today that is not the heart of God for you. You were called to champion the impossible. That God wants to show up in and through your life and in the lives of others around you. For many of us, we need to re-engage the dreams that God put in our heart. For many of us, we need to remember not to forget. Remember not to forget what God has said to us and what He has called us to. For some of us who are early on the journey, we need to allow Jesus to do the work in us where we shift the perspective from where we've come so that we can focus in on where God is taking us. You are called to be a champion because the greatest champion gave His life for you. See, Jesus 
who had done nothing wrong, committed no sin, made no mistake, willingly allowed himself to be put on trial falsely. And the trial was much worse than the trial that's going on for Johnny Depp right now. Where Jesus was not given a voice to get His point across. He was not given an opportunity to change the public perception of Himself. He was brought before the authorities of the day and He was accused and He was condemned. And the Bible says, as a lamb is led to slaughter, so was Jesus and no word came from His mouth. He did not try to stand up and denounce those around Him, even though He had the right to. There was an account where they were coming to take Him forcibly. And one of Jesus' disciples cut off the ear of one of the guards. And Jesus, in healing the man, said to Peter, don't you know that I could call down angels to defend myself right now? That He willingly allowed this to happen. Why? Surely He's leading Himself to a defeat, to a loss. How can you be a champion if you lose? And He allowed Himself to be whipped so much that His body was broken before people's eyes. That He allowed Himself to be stripped naked, to have His beard torn from His face, to have a crown of thorns put in His head. And they didn't stop there. They they made Him carry His tool of execution through the city as people spat on Him and jeered Him. How can a champion be a champion if they lose? And Jesus was led up to a mount called Golgotha, overlooking the city, this place of the skull. And this cross was laid down and Him nailed to it. And He was brought up in front of everybody as a public spectacle. How can you be a champion if you lose? And after a few hours, He cried out His last and He gave up His Spirit. Jesus gave up His Spirit because nobody could take it from Him. And He chose to die on a cross for us because He is the greatest champion. See, for Jesus to win for us, it meant Him paying the ultimate price that we could not pay ourselves that He would make us right with His Father by doing what we could not do ourselves, paying the price for every sin and thing that separates us from the love of God. And I wanna say to you today, that with Jesus as your champion, you are called to champion others. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.